0: Great stories from amazing people. Conversations from the Marsh at Podcast Alley. This is Sports and More with Dean Millard.
1: Certainly one of the benefits of the site is I've built up a pretty good network of agents. And I conducted an anonymous um, uh, agent survey, which... Um, before kind of life changed in the last few weeks, I was going to get the results out, so uh, it's delayed a little bit. We will hope to get the results published in the next week or two. Um, but I asked agents, um, "What is the what are I asked questions on uh, player contracts?" And one of them was, "Which contract do you think is the kind of the worst from a player perspective, or who is the most underpaid?" Right, which is I think your your answer. And the top answers, so this is a sneak uh, preview of the survey results for your listeners. The top answer was Nathan McKinnon got the most votes as the kind of best um, team-friendly contract or kind of worst from a player contract.
0: Hello
2: there and welcome to Sports and More, of the podcast uh, live. Well, not live, but live when I'm doing it from the marsh. In Podcast Alley, my name is Dean Millard and it is a, a pleasure, uh, to have you aboard on the program that was Hart Levine. Uh, he is the creator of puckpedia.com. It's a wonderful website, uh, when it comes to hockey information, uh, we are going to talk uh, a lot about, uh, the ins and outs of his website and, and why, uh, he wanted to start it. Uh, So that's what we're going with uh, today. Uh, Almost anything goes here on Sports & More, the podcast. We don't talk about religion ever, and we pretty much always stay away from politics, but pretty much anything else goes. So if you want to hit us up uh, with a question, you can do so. Here is the lineup today and what I'm going with on a couple of TVs here in the marsh on the left, it's game three. There's Kelly Rudy, beauty lid. 93, I uh, I used to have one of those neck protectors uh, he's wearing. So this is Game 7, 93 Leafs Kings. Uh, for all my uh, Leaf uh, watchers out there, this is for you. Uh, I know this is a fun memory for you guys, much like 97 is for Andy Moog fans. And on the right, we got the wonderful documentary, Into the Wind. Uh, Steve Nash, part of this about uh, the, the great legendary Terry Fox. So that's what we have uh, going watching today. Uh, if you are listening and you're wondering what I'm talking about, Uh, You can uh, head to our YouTube channel, Sports & More, and watch the show. We also stream it on our social media feeds. So with Hart Levine today from Puckpedia, we're going to talk about your one-stop shop for hockey info. You get your stats. You can find out about contracts. There's a capologist. There's a massive agents list. So we're going to dive into that website. Our top three is three things you miss about sports. And our poll question is regarding Jonathan Quick and a buy-up which you can do at puckpedia.com. Both our top three and our poll question are presented by Ultimate Franchise Fantasy Sports. You know, fantasy sports are great when they are playing, but right now with the Ultimate Franchise Fantasy Sports, it's more realistic than ever as soon as they get back to playing. But I'm going to tell you about what they're doing right now in the meantime. You can own one of only 31 professional fantasy hockey franchises in the world. 23-man rosters, 27-player reserve list. Once you draft a player, he's yours until you either trade or sell him. So only 31 teams on this platform, only one team will be able to own Connor McDavid. You can stockpile for the future with a 27-player reserve list. You can become a scout. That's where you scout players in the CHL or wherever, and then you sell them to franchises. There is so much to do in this platform. These guys are digital assets. Use digital currency to buy and sell players, build a championship team now, stockpile for the future. So if you want to get a franchise, get a pen, write down this website. If you're watching, you can see the link on the screen. It's www.airauctioneer.com slash uffsports nhl fantasy Dash franchise Dash auction head there open your free account make your bid you will be notified if you are out bid but this is really cool they also have uploaded all the franchises onto EA Sports NHL 20 and they're having a playoff right now the my team uh Duckman's dominators, they just went up 3-2 in my series against the Grizzlies. So if you have a franchise or you get a franchise, you just want to check it out, you can you can go check it out and you can watch your games uh, with uh, James Cebulski and Ray Ferraro doing the play-by-play for you. So there it is. In this format, you own the game, so get in the game. Uh, this is what our top three topic is today, top three things you miss about live sports. You know, I'm, I'm watching right now, A game from 1993, the year I graduated high school. I've watched so many classic games. There are a lot of things I miss about live sports. And I knew it would be difficult, but uh, it's starting the, the nostalgic games are starting to wear off. I I don't know how you feel about what's going on right now and, and what you're doing for entertainment, but I'm starting to get a little bit stir crazy without live sports. I love learning and going back in time and remembering things, but. I'm really wishing we had live sports. So the honorable mention I have going with my top three things, uh, that I miss about live sports is trash talking.
0: Am I hot? Yeah, I'm hot. That's a crock of crap.
2: I love trash talking, particularly San Francisco giants fans, but I love trash talking, man. Um, no matter what it is, I love giving it, uh, and uh, yeah, I don't mind taking it back, uh, like all people, I'd rather give it out, but you got to give and take, uh, to be a good trash talker. So that's really, uh, the one thing I would like to, um, uh, to be able to do again. You now I can still trash talk, uh, my friend, Jack hooks at pro-am sports because the giants do suck. You know, I love baseball, hate the giants. Uh, so number three, I'm going watching three games at once. And, um, if you're, if you're watching, you can kind of see my setup. I got two TVs, but what you can't see is the chair to the left. Uh, where I can, um, hook up my iPad to it, iPad holder to it. And I can watch a game on there. So, uh, Sundays in the NFL is a lot of fun. Uh, so I miss watching three games Sundays. What I do is put, um, two guys that, uh, two teams, uh, two games rather that involve my fantasy lineup. And then I just put on, uh, the red zone, uh, with Scott Hansen and just watch that. So I miss watching three games at once that leads into fantasy sports because I watch sports now more than ever. Where my fantasy teams and my the players on my teams on uh, the ultimate franchise, uh, fantasy sports platform. I'm always checking in every night because every night you guys got you have guys playing. So I miss fantasy sports really, and uh, the the thing I miss the most is uh, the first round of the uh, Stanley Cup playoffs. It's the best. It's the best of sports. Uh, I know game sevens for the championship final are great, but the first round of the Stanley Cup playoffs is uh, not like anything else. It is absolutely awesome. So there you go. You can find out more details on the platform at www.uffsports.com. That Ultimate Franchise Fantasy Sports. Uh, we will be doing uh, one timers with Hart Levine coming out later this week. Getting to know him and uh, his sporting life. Reed Clark from Ross Flats Vintage Sports Apparel joined uh, Jordan Blundell and myself on the Prospects Baseball Show earlier this week. We'll have Playing Pepper with him as well. And Hattie Felfman uh, from Squarefoot Grow Systems will be joining me on the Cannabis 101 podcast later this week. We will also do one-hitters. You can find all that information at uh, podcastalley.ca. All right, uh, just enough time to uh, tell you a little bit about our next guest. It's Hart Levine, the creator of Puckpedia, Let's find out a little bit about him through the bio. Time for the bio. Hart Levine was born in Edmonton, Alberta and lived in the city most of his life. He attended Ross Shepherd High School, home of the T-Birds, and majored in business at the University of Alberta in the capital city. Before becoming a CFO and executive in the financial industry, he was a valet at the Fantasyland Hotel and a chartered accountant. Five years ago, he made the move to Los Angeles, California, where he runs the fascinating website Puckpedia.com and is involved in the finance and executive management business. Hart, it is great to uh, catch up with you. I've been a fan of the website for a long time puckpedia.com and I'm uh, pleased to be able to uh, chat with you right now. I wish we were uh, chatting about uh, we could be chatting about the Stanley Cup playoffs but uh, life is a, a little different. I, I guess before we get into Puckpedia, uh, how has life uh, during everything that uh, we are in right now how has it affected you and have you found maybe Puckpedia has seen an uptick in in uh, visits?
1: Um, it, it has definitely, uh, impacted things, um, uh, you know, basically staying home, uh, feels, you know, get a little bit of wreck time, like you're in prison, uh, each day to get outside, but it's, <laughs> uh, it's definitely different. Um, the, the website, I think, um, when things shut down, there was, people weren't really thinking about hockey and, uh, worrying about it, but now that there's, you know, there's been a lot of entry-level contracts being signed, um, some, some other contracts being signed, it's certainly seeing an uptick, uh, now, but, not like we would probably see during normal playoffs and and, uh, and kind of how it was before, like right after the trade deadline is a busy time, but uh, certainly hoping that we get some uh, decision on what's going to happen or some plan and uh, that will get people back on the site and daydreaming about uh, why they're smarter than their team's GM. Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> uh,
2: I did uh, talk radio for uh, a few years, and uh, there was a lot of guys, you know, including me, myself at times, that thought uh, we were all smarter than coaches and, and GMs. And I guess that's the beautiful thing about being a fan. Um, is, you know, being able to have your opinion and strong opinions at that and being able to find a lot of the information to try to back your opinions at a website like puckpedia.com. So uh, let's kind of give me the overview of uh, of how uh, and and uh, or I guess give me just a general overview of what puckpedia.com is for those who have yet to be at the site.
1: Okay, great. Um, so puckpedia is called the ultimate source for hockey fans and professionals. And it's really a, should be a one-stop shop for you to get a lot of your hockey, um, critical information. So, um, it has all the player contracts, um, uh, both past and, and current and going forward, all their, uh, all the cap calculations, um, for individual player, for the teams. It has the full, um, cap picture for the current year and going out, um, future years, both, um, uh, projections for the year and, and, and then, uh, all the other consequences, um, other calculations like buyouts and uh, things like that. It also has injury news, um, updates from the teams, um, scores, schedule. Um, I would say one of the uh, most unique aspects and most popular is our agent information. Um, So Puckpedia is the only place you can find an agent leaderboard showing all the NHL player agents um, ranked by the total value of the contract that they have. And then a, a, under each agent, a list of all the players that they represent in all the contracts. Um, and then we also have an ask the capologist section where people can submit uh, some questions about the CBA or salary cap and they get an answer. there's a bunch of uh, uh, previous answers and, and write-ups on uh, key aspects on there as well. Um, so I guess that's it in a snapshot, basically uh, everything you'd want to see um, all in one place. Hopefully.
2: I I love it uh, and I can't wait to kind of drill down on uh, some of the specific things that uh, that you do be, because I I really am interested in being able to you know expand how I use an uh, the website uh, personally because um it's you know especially if you're uh, you know any kind of in on-air situation this is a great resource uh, to go to and one that I've uh, you know <clears throat> grown to trust so why and when did you start things up with puckpedia.com
1: well, I think the the why um, kind of just touched on it is as a fan and someone uh, that you know would want to daydream and think about different transactions or if transactions happen, I'd want to get the information. I found that there were some good sites out there, but um, they were very segmented, and you had to go to you know one site for the advanced statistics, another site for seller cap information, another place to get some of the basic information, maybe another place for draft um, info another place for the latest injury news. And I just wanted it all in one place. So really it started as, um, as a, as a fan and someone that, you know, use a lot of hockey sites. What, what did I want to see? And I wanted to see it all in one place. So when there's a, you know, news about a, a potential oiler trade, I could go look up that player, see all their contract information, both their basic and their advanced stats, all in one spot and see the cap situation for the, the Oilers, for example, and, and have it all right there. So that was kind of the vision. Um, Along with that, I was also very interested in the the business side of the game and the the negotiations and the contracts and how, you know, as as fans, we often think of it like, you know, you're playing NHL on PlayStation and you could make whatever trade you want, but, or make whatever signing, but there's human beings involved and the, especially the relationships between the players and the agents, um, factors into it. So that led me to, to realize also that that wasn't really out there and, um, that, that was the vision for the site. And, um, We launched in June, 2018, um, took about uh, a year, year and a half, uh, before that, uh, from when it was the idea was first written down on a piece of paper to getting it launched. Um, and so now we're coming up on just about two years being live.
2: So was there a specific light bulb moment where you said, you know what, I can't find this anywhere I'm doing that. Was there kind of like a. You know, if they were making a movie about podpedia.com, uh, <laughs> who, you know, who what, gets to
1: play me, that's the most yeah, important Yeah, part. first of all, <laughs> who gets to play you
2: and what, 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 what's that kind of light bulb moment where you said, I'm just doing a website now, uh, I'm just going to do this, uh, on my own. I can't find the information anywhere. Um, I want to see this, this, this was there, uh, you know, one moment where you were in a particular situation and said, uh, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm going with this now.
1: I would say it had kind of been building for a few years. I had sent some suggestions to sites that were out there about how to make them what I thought was better, or at least make it so it was something that met more of my needs. And then, yeah, the the year or two before, just trade deadlines, um, free agency, just different uh, trades or rumors and just having all these tabs open when I was supposed to be, you know, at work and like most good Canadians, I had all my hockey sites open and but just having to flip between these different sites for, like I said, advanced stats, basic stats, salary cap information, injury news. And I just thought, um, yeah, it should be all in one place. And then, right. you know, just like little very subtle things that I always thought would be useful. Like, um, you know, maybe no one's even noticed this on the site, but if you look at a player's career stats, you see that it's color coded by their the contract that they were under for those years. So um like all of Connor McDavid's uh stats for his current contract are are highlighted one color and his stats from his entry level are highlighted a different color. Just little things like that. I just thought, you know, there's all these little tweaks that would make the experience better for someone that wants to look up information or wants to daydream. And uh those were I would say various light bulbs um getting to a point where that one, I would say spring, I thought Okay, well, I'll just try and do this myself. Let's see what it would take. I I, I don't have any, uh, you know, computer programming skills or like uh, website development. So I started just talking to potential people, telling them my idea, seeing what they thought and what it would take to build it. And um, once I kind of found a a good fit that way, I decided to take the plunge and uh, build it and hope that really uh, the business model of build something that I would like uh, made sense that that other people would want to see it as well.
2: I love that you just talked. I I didn't even notice. Uh, you know, I I noticed the the colors, but I didn't notice the uh, the meaning behind them. And uh, so green is uh, is entry level. I'm just I just grabbed uh, Brandon Dubinsky as a con. You know, green is uh, entry, kind of blue is second, and then different colors for different uh, the amount of contracts. Is that how it works?
1: Yeah. So each each contract would be a different uh, color on their career stat. Oh, cool. You know, just a little thing because I would. I would be flipping again because, you know, I'd be looking at a player's wow. um, career stats and their contracts and thinking, God, what, what would possibly give the GM the idea to sign this contract? Like what, <laughs> what, you, you know, what year were they coming off of? What, what was the career year? Like a lot of, without super high shooting percentage, you know, that usually end up with big uh, contracts. And then, you know, I was kind of flipping back and forth. And again, just thought, well, that's an easy thing to do. Let's just um, have them different color coding so you can see what well led from one contract to the next. Oh, that's beautiful.
2: So, how has it changed? Um, uh, you know, you just mentioned a few changes. How has the site evolved? I guess from like what you thought it was going to be to what it's developed into now. Um, I'm sure it's uh, somewhat similar, but I'm sure there's been some some nice surprises along the way that you're like, oh, that's kind of a cool feature we can add in.
1: Yeah, I would say the the biggest kind of theme of the changes has been taking it from more one dimensional where you just go and like kind of look at things to being a little bit more 2d or 3d where you can interact and um, the people going on the site can access more things themselves. So the first um, kind of stage of that was the player dashboard, which um, was built so that people can filter and, and kind of slice and dice on whatever set of criteria they want. I mean, we have the basic and the advanced stats and all the contract information um, in our database. So instead of uh, you know having to export it and play with it all in Excel, like let's have it so that the people can go and use the player dashboard and um, get – the various lists of people th- themselves. So the, that was added shortly after the launch, and we've kind of kept um, updating it and making better versions of it uh, based on good feedback. And then the next part was um, really taking that to the next level with our MyPuckpedia GM mode. Um, and that really started from uh often media people would reach out and asking, you know, what would it look like if the team signed these players or what would it look like if they made this trade, you know, for both their their cap situation or another team's cap situation um, or like what what would be a good fit for some players? So I would help the media people with, with some articles um, and I had a. Sort of offline version of the site um, for staging and testing, like most websites have. And so I would kind of model these transactions out um, on my own kind of private version of the site. Um, and then I thought, well, you know, it's, it's cool that I get to do it, but I think everybody would like to have their own version of a salary cap site where they can make whatever trades, signings, um, calls that they want. And that led to the MyPuckPedia GM mode. So there's a button at the top uh, right of the page um, for it, and if you click on it and uh, set up an account you can go in and uh, basically it's just just as I described it's your own personal personal sandbox seller cap site and you start with the current live site and then you you can go and make transactions and not just see you know one trade or one team but you could see how it affects every team or or any any team that you want to look at um, and uh, build out your roster or a bunch of teams and uh, you can share it and, and take snapshots um, and then when you You're kind of bored of that and you're ready to pull in the live information. You just hit the sync button and it will kind of wipe out everything you did and and bring the up-to-date live stuff from the real site. So that, I think, was the biggest, most exciting change was to have it way more interactive and um, allow people not just to go look at kind of the real Puckpedia with real NHL information, but to also put their uh, GM hat on and have their own personal version. And going forward, I think that's an area where we'll really focus on building out more and having more features and, and uh, ways of utilizing um, that functionality.
2: Uh, that's so cool. And I, I want to explore that uh, as we go, because that really allows you to say, you know, like not every trade is agreed upon that is proposed, <laughs> but sure. You can say if this trade went through uh kind of play, the butterfly effect almost of, uh, exactly. of what would happen. You know what I love also about uh, going back to the, the color coded Uh, aspect is that you separate a player's draft year from the rest of his stats I mean the amount of times when I was doing show prep and I'm looking for information on a guy to be able to know that in his draft year you know maybe this is why this guy was such a high highly touted draft uh, uh, prospect because he shot up or maybe this is why a guy dropped because his you know it's just amazing to see you know I'm looking at Mitch Marner uh and, and you've got his uh, draft year at the Holinka Gretzky with London, uh at the U eighteen development camp, uh, the OHL All Stars. I mean, you know, there's a there's a lot of information all in one spot and it's a great way to make it a one stop shop, uh, being able to separate it like that instead of having to flip back and forth all the time.
1: Yeah. Again, uh the one stop shop for having it all on one site and then even within that try to have everything on one page. That's really been kind of the guiding uh Um, idea for the site.
2: So let's talk specifically about the, uh, the player uh, segment and aspect uh, that you can do with this. Uh, When you click on players, uh, you've got the dashboard, the bio calendar, the entry level slide tracker. Uh, Let's talk, let's talk about some of these features.
1: Yeah. So the player dashboard, um, we touched on that a little earlier. So that's really um, a way to, take any of the player information that we have on the site. So basic stats, goals, assists, points, um, and then some advanced stats. So like their Corsi and um, their uh, expected goals or dangerous Fenwick, their goals per 60, points per 60, um, all those relative to their teammates. Uh, take all those and then combine with their contract information. So things like their cap hit, their current salary, when are they uh, eligible for UFA, what kind of a clause do they have, um who their agent is, and have that all in a place where you can then um, either filter or sort um, and kind of slice and dice on any of those uh, criteria on any any year that we have on the site. So I mean' uh, and a simple example is you know you could just click on there's a link um, to get there faster, but uh, look at the upcoming UFAs. you could click on the UFA uh, link there and that's all, all it's just doing is setting those filters for you know, a contract that ends this year with a status of UFA and you can see all your UFAs. And then, you know, within that, let's say you want to look at who has the, uh, you know, who has a course over 50 and who has uh, points per 60 over 1.1 1. 1 and things like that. And you could slice and dice it and get there, or you could take a different approach. And let's say you just want to filter on Oilers and look at all their, um, you know, basic and advanced stats, um, kind of all in one place and their contract status look at the upcoming Euler uh, RFAs and UFAs and compare their, their staff um, and information. And also, I like to use it um, on the agent side. I mean, we have the agent leaderboard um, and the agent pages, but using it on the player dashboard, you could look at um, like UFAs by agent. Um, that's a good way to see uh, like who if there's some agents that have several of the top UFAs or RFAs and how they might be uh, kind of controlling the market um in the upcoming year
2: uh and and one of the uh, biggest uh, i think features that uh, i find so cool and and i actually uh made it our uh, ultimate uh, franchise fantasy sports poll question uh this week and 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 that is about buyouts uh, i i think the uh the buyout calculator is so, you know, you talk about being a GM, um, you know, this is, uh, this is kind of what they are looking at as far as how much is it going to cost me over how long? And our poll question is, would you buy out the final three years of Jonathan Quick's deal at a cost of a million for six years, which I found out at your thing, 60% say yes, uh, right now uh, so uh, uh, most of them in favor I mean you could go and find out how much it would cost to buy out Connor McDavid if you wanted to it's just so <laughs> no that's not allowed you get buzzed
1: by your computer yeah, if you
2: try that. yeah. <laughs> uh, that's brilliant yeah but you know th- just the the buyout uh, aspect is is so neat to play what if right
1: yeah, so I think that's a great point, and Quick's a good example. Um, I think you know a lot of casual fans know you can buy um, players out, and then I think um, you know most fans even know that the cost of the buyout is two thirds the remaining contract over twice the remaining years, and that's the one million a year for for Quick. But the kind of more useful thing for um, a team is what the cap hit is, um, and that's a little bit more complicated calculation because it involves uh, how much the actual buyout cost is but it also takes into account signing bonuses um, and also there's part of the calculation comparing what the cap hit is versus their their contract um, salary in that year so if actually if you look at jonathan quick buyout on the site you'll see while the cost is a million a year for six years the actual cap hit is 3.3 uh, next year then 3.8 then 4.3 and then one million a year for the three years um remaining oh, okay. so okay i think uh you know again it's there's a lot of uh, calculations and things that, you know, I think either people aren't familiar with, or they kind of have the general idea. But um, again, I know as a fan, I was, uh, when I would be daydreaming about buyouts, I was had you know, my calculator open or my Excel open and I was uh, manually calculating it. So it's nice to just uh, click a button, see, see it all right in front of you.
2: So, okay, so the annual buyout cost is what they would pay Jonathan Quick his yep. his cap hit though uh, that's you know i i totally got the the question backwards because the big number you're realizing is 3.8 million right and then 3.8 and then 4.3 and then 111 1, right
1: yep so oh. and that's because the uh the bio cap hit is uh also incorporates the difference between what the cap hit was and what his salary or pay was that year so he he has low uh pay the, the the final three years, 3.5 and three point five, then three, then two point five. But his cap hit was five point eight. So that difference basically gets added to the buyout cost. So that's why the cap hit is uh, you know three point three, three point eight, four point three, and then yeah, down to the one million for the three years after the contract. So that that matters. So for some teams though, like um, you know we won't pick on teams, but we know the teams that care most about the dollars. Um, and so that buyout cost line is probably the most important, but for most teams, it's the cap hit that matters the most. And, uh, and that would be the one that they'd be paying most attention to.
2: And yeah, so that's actually, that totally changes uh, things. Uh, when you look at it's, you know, what you're actually, you're, you're right. I, I, when you're a team, you might be worrying a little bit about the an, the uh, the buyout cost that you're going to be paying. As a fan, you're just like, how much is this on our cap and how do we get yeah, rid of our it money. as yeah. fast? Yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> not, it's easy to spend somebody else's money. So yeah. um, is there a player? Do you? I don't know if you track the most searched player for a buyout.
1: Yeah, I'll give you uh, a guess who it is. Milan Lucic? Yep, you yeah. got it. <laughs> that was an easy one.
2: Yeah, I, I looked at James Neal too and then I'm like, but he did all. He's gonna have twenty goals if they were still playing. So uh, that that contract. But Lucic has to be the one that everybody kind of searched for. It's it's kind of the the Rick DiPietro poster boy of bad contracts right now. As far as uh, you know, teams not getting the production for the for the player. I still think mean that Lucic can play in the NHL. But you know, we always measure it against their their dollars and their production, right?
1: Yeah, and the, the thing that makes me laugh is uh, July first and free agency. After some contracts get announced, I'll look and see you know what pages are popular that people are on. Yeah, and invariably there'll be contracts that were like literally just signed and people are already looking at the buyout um, <laughs> costs. That always makes me laugh. Uh, one of them actually was Ryan Reeves a couple of years ago. It just reminded me of that because now there's talk about him signing an extension. But that was one for like the three days after the his buyout page is very popular right after he signed the contract. Uh, but back to the Lucic Neil, I mean, when that trade was made to me, that was one of the most critical parts is um, if you just compared what their buyouts would be right. uh, after this season. I mean Lucic is, you know, as we talked about uh, the uh, signing bonuses um, still count against the cap in the buyout. So Lucic, it doesn't really provide you any value to buy him out. Whereas James Neal just has a, a you know, a steady a set amount of salary each year. Um, and so if you compared the buyouts, like, you know, Neal, certainly there's an argument in it. you it. You could handle a buyout if he wasn't living up to the contract. For Lucic, you can't. So when I looked at that trade, it was like, you know, if Neil provides value, that's a bonus. But kind of the, the worst case is he's not useful, and then after the season you can buy him out, whereas Lucic, like, there was really no way to buy that contract out as it was.
2: Yeah, uh, are, are you seeing um, maybe not all, but maybe more contracts almost being, you know, they call it buyout proof because of uh, the bonuses? There Are there, are you seeing more and more players uh, get that? Uh, maybe Maybe the the, the uh, upper echelon players, I'm not sure, but are you seeing more contracts, maybe what they call buyout proof because buying them out makes no sense?
1: Yeah, I think. well, I think that really hit the peak um, a couple of years ago, like around that time when Lucic and Erickson and all those guys signed their contracts. That's when we saw the most of those um, buyout proofs, so the agents had kind of figured that out then. I think in the last year or two, you're seeing a little bit less, especially for those players that, um, you know, Maybe the GM knows that the cap hit and the contract legs are pretty. Um, he's paying a big price, so at least he's holding firm a little bit more on that on that structure. So that it is possible to be bought out. Um, I I mean, I even look at a contract like uh, uh, Chris Russell uh, with the lower uh, salary towards the end of the year. It's a little bit easier to buy out at least financially. Um, so I think some GMs sort of were figuring that out. I would say two to three years ago, and we were, we were seeing a little bit less of those buyout first ones. I think it hit it hit its peak, um, you know, in that lucic uh, Erickson summer.
2: Yeah, and then, you know, there's the the buyouts. Uh, you know, as a fan, you look at a buyout right away, and you're like, awesome. And then, you know, three years later, when you're still, uh, you know, paying guys uh, that are maybe not even in the league anymore. Like, I mean, who's the, the Benoit Pouliot for the Edmonton Oilers? I don't know yeah. if they're still paying that guy, but, uh, you know. Oh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> so you look down a couple of years, and you're like, eh. It was good. at the, It's almost like a hangover, right? You know, that, yeah. That that fifth beer was really good. Not so good this morning, uh, the couple of yeah, years the, later.
1: The strategic part for me when I look at those is, um, you know, I often do the math on the, the cafe from a buyout. Versus the cap hit if they retained half the salary and then traded uh, the player to someone, and often the the cap hit is pretty similar for those for the years of the remaining contract, but the big difference being all those years after where you're still paying the cap hit. Um, and I just wonder like why we don't see. I mean, we see some of it, but why don't we see more where a team like let's take the Oilers with Sekra or Pouliot, like to retain half of the contract and then have to and offer. Whatever draft pick or maybe you know lower end prospect to a team um, to take the player versus having to buy them out. Um, to me, that seems like that would be a better option because you may end up with the same cap hit as the buyout for a couple of years, but is it not worth like a fifth rounder or fourth rounder to then not have to have the remaining um, cap remaining years of the the cap hit from the buyout down the road? Um, you know, again, maybe they've tried that and it didn't work, but um, yeah, it just seems to me like there's there could be a little bit more creativity on retaining or even, you know, we saw with Robin Leonard at the deadline last year. That's something that I, I always surprised we don't see more of where a player basically gets passed around with a, each team retaining a little bit before getting to the end team right? Um, because you can retain up to half the remaining. Um, you can retain up to half the remaining cap it. So, you know, you could pass the player around kind of twice and the last team is only have, has a quarter of the cap it. Um, why we don't see that more Um, You know, incentivizing teams to to do that that are going to be picking up that cap hit, but that seems like a better use of um, teams' uh, resources, which were draft picks, versus their cap hit, which I think is a or cap space, which I think is probably a more valuable resource. So
2: we we have a way, you know, basically of uh, determining which contract the fans think is the worst. I guess that you can you can uh, correlate by how many times that player is searched for buyouts, but. Is there a way to figure out which contracts they like the most or, you know, or, or, what are some, some of the better contracts out there that, that when you look at them, you know, obviously you've got the best player in the league, Connor McDavid for the Oilers, you can pay him whatever, right. Cause he's the best player. So, but what are some, some, I guess, some popular contracts that, that you can track or that yet yeah, you think personally?
1: Well, how about I'll, I'll do a little bit better and we'll give you a little sneak preview. So, um, we'll get, I think we'll talk a little bit more about the agent information on the website, but mm-hmm. certainly one of the benefits of the site is I've built up a pretty good network of agents. And I conducted an anonymous, um, uh, agent survey, which, um, before kind of life changed the last few weeks, I was going to get the results out. So, uh, it's delayed a little bit. We'll hope to get the results published in the next week or two. Um, but I asked agents, um, what is the, what are, I asked, questions on uh, player contracts and one of them was which contract do you think is the kind of the worst from a player perspective or who is the most underpaid right which Mm -hmm. is I think your your answer and the top answers so this is a sneak uh, preview of the survey results for your listeners the top answer was Nathan McKinnon got the most votes as the kind of best um, team-friendly contract or kind of worst from a player contract Uh, and then the next two were David Pasternak Mm-hmm. And a surprising one, Carl Yarncroft from the National Predators, who's mm-hmm. on a long-term, uh, short, uh, long-term, low-money deal, Carl Yarncroft. Wow.
2: Wow, that's, yeah. uh, you know, a bit of a, a curveball. You know, the, the first two, you're like, yeah, yeah, I can see that for sure. And then, um, uh, and that's good. Uh, you know, and we're like I said, we're going to get into... Uh, uh, the agency because I love that uh, section of it uh, as well so let's talk about though when you go to the team section uh, and you get into specific teams uh, you know what can you what can you play around with there
1: yeah so I think um, from uh, from a fan standpoint like you that's your place to find out all the critical information about the team so um, you know, at the very top, there's a bit of a snapshot of their cap hit and their cap space um, and the latest transactions. Um, if you go down a little bit, then you can see their most recent lineup, courtesy of uh, dailyfaceoff.com, the most recent um, lineup. But what we put the Puckpedia spin on that is by adding in their cap hits. So you can you can see by line and defense pairing um, what the cap hit for those different lines are. Uh, which I find, uh, you know, interesting to see which teams are, have a lot of money sunk into their third and fourth line versus uh, kind of all being on the top line. Um, and then we have some of the most recent tweets from, um, you know, the team and, and key media people that cover the team. And then, uh, you know, finally, kind of the core of the site, which is uh, the sort of cap table, all the players or cap hits. Um, can, you can switch between their cap hit and, and their salary and see how much they actually get paid versus their cap hit. Um, and you can see what then the total um, cap cap hit is, cap space, how much cap hit could a team add uh, today during the season um, and still fit under the cap. And then things like their uh, the team's draft picks, um, what they have available, where the draft picks came from, or who they traded them to. Um, and then if you're really interested in seeing kind of the details of the salary cap calculations, you can even see the the daily tracker showing... All the days, how many days of the season a player was on the roster, and how much of that cap it uh, counts. So there's a lot of information um, on on the page. Um, oh, I guess I also should mention all the all the players that a team has the rights to. So not just the NHL players, mm. but all the players in the minors or or draft picks or unsigned draft picks. Um, that's all on there as well. So that's really uh, kind of your hub for information about your your favorite team or any team.
2: I I like that uh, you can go and and look at uh, guys that are in the organization, as you mentioned, too. One thing I I forgot to ask you about in the player section, and that's the entry-level slide tracker, which can sometimes be difficult to figure out for for fans and stuff out there. So can you run through that?
1: Yeah, so that is uh, certainly um, useful to understanding why teams make decisions with players and then just also Mm -hmm. what their future uh, cap it might look like. Um, So if you go on that page, uh, you know, really I'd say the most critical part is just at the very top. It explains the rules for slides. Um, And it's basically if a player is on an entry level deal um, and they're 18 or 19 as of September 5th, then that contract can slide if they don't play uh, 10 NHL games that season. Um, That's really the kind of the core of it. And then there's the one exception, which actually, um, is pretty useful for Evan Bouchard, which is a player that finds an entry-level deal at 19 um, and then turns 20 before December 31st. Uh, that is not quite eligible. And uh, based on um, his birthday and everything, he kind of just met the uh, the criteria. So that's one of the reasons I think we didn't see Evan Bouchard in the NHL this year is uh, he's able to play in the minors um, in the AHL because uh, those are different rules. but he's, he's old enough to play in the AHL. Um, but if he doesn't play in the NHL, his, his, if he doesn't play 10 games in the NHL, that contract will slide. So I think they were very, uh, you know, they're obviously worried about his development and want to make sure he's going to be ready for full-time action and get a lot of minutes in the minors. But I think certainly on the on the side, they're also considering um, that if they don't play him the 10 games, he'll be able to slide this season.
2: And that's such an interesting and, uh, you know, sometimes a rule that people don't know about, like you look, you're, you're always talking at the start of the year about that nine game limit, right? Yeah. Is he going to play his nine games Look, like Leon dry went past that and then ended up, uh, you know, getting sent down at some point, Kirby doc, you know, this year was, was, of yep. uh, being watched of the Saskatoon blades and he blew past that. And I think he played like 60 games or something like that with, uh, Uh, You know, listen, you're you're not worrying about it with, uh, you know, a Conor McDavid or Taylor Hall or, um, you know, some of these guys. Um, But there are players that you're watching about this. And this, I love how you have uh, the games remaining on, uh, on some of these players, you know, and this is obviously a little bit more critical at the beginning of the season. You know, when you get down to, uh, May and, or sorry, uh, uh, March and things like that, if you're still there, you're still there, but it's really critical for the beginning of this. I, I imagine that gets a lot of use, uh, in, uh, October or September, October, November.
1: Yeah, definitely. And then, um, you know, I get a lot of use out of it when I start seeing, okay, who do I think is not going to play NHL games this year? And I start sliding their contracts on the site as well. So I'm, I'm, a, I'm a frequent user of that page. It helps me um, kind of process the slides on the website. Oh, that's beautiful. Uh, we're speaking with
2: Hart Levine, the man behind com, here on Sports & More, the podcast. Um, as we alluded to, there's quite an extensive agent Section on the website. First of all, what made you want to add this? And was this maybe one of the trickier things because you had to track all this information down yourself?
1: Yeah, definitely um, trickier um, and harder to kind of get updated and keep updated, but probably the most rewarding part of the site because it is the only place um, that I believe has this information. And I get a lot of great feedback from media people and team personnel and, and agents, especially, um, how often they, they use that section. So, um, yeah, I think what led to it was, um, I, you know, as, as I think a lot of people play in, you know, NHL on PlayStation and, and making trades all the time, um, you know, you realize it's not quite that easy. Um, or trying to find players. You realize it's not quite that easy. Um, and you know, it just, I, I, I really was interested in the business side and, July 1st, you hear all these contracts and then, you know, you'd you'd read in the paper about how the same agent represented some players, uh, multiple players that were involved. You know, for me personally, growing up as an Euler fan, some key uh, storylines that involved agents. One was the uh, Mike Comrie, uh, you know, trade demand and um, repaying the signing bonus and everything instead of getting Tori Perry. And, you know, (laughs) what what impact would that? I, I remember at the time thinking, well, what impact would that make? Did... Does that agent represent other players on the Oilers or other players the Oilers might want? Because that doesn't seem like a good relationship um, now. And the other one was on uh, Nylander when he sort of signed not signed right. with the Oilers and in uh, Washington. And you know what? What did that mean for the relationship? So that just kind of from a uh, earlier on stage, I think that kind of planted the seeds of, of realizing that there are real dynamics in place and what what could that mean for the for your team? And I started thinking. Yeah, we initially thought oh, it would be really interesting to know, you know, on a team, um, what agents represent those players or for free agents and seeing those connections. Mm-hmm. And then once I started kind of gathering or trying to gather the data, I realized, well, if I, if I know what agents represent these players, I can sort of rank them and, and have a leaderboard for that and see who the top agents are. Because again, when you just read an article, you know, you'd hear top agents, so and so well, how many top agents are there? Right, is is yeah. that top, top one, top three, top 57, right? Um, and that, that led to me gathering it. And, um, you know, really the the leaderboard is what helped, um, I would say, accelerate getting the information because once I started ranking the agents, then they were much quicker to get back to me or even reach out, letting me know who I was missing and or, or changing, um, you know, for their new clients, getting it on their page so they would get credit for having uh, as, as many contracts as they do. And
2: I love how you can separate it between the agent leaderboard and the agency uh, leaderboard and, you know, find out how many clients Octagon has or, or CAA or, or what it might be. So I, I like how you have, you can separate it, you know, active contracts, the AA, current AAV, the largest AAV. There's lots of different ways uh, to look at uh Agent leaderboards, much like you can search an NHL team and or an NHL the league and say who leads the league in goals, who leads the league in assists. There's different way to to rake or rank uh, agencies rather. Um, and 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 you mentioned that you know you're, you're starting to be in contact. Are you in Are you in contact quite a bit with agents and and GMs, or is it just agents? Or you know what's the what's the contact level like for you since uh, since you've got into
1: this? Yeah, definitely have a. a- quite a good network now of agents. Um, and then, um, with teams, um, you know, different members of the offices, um, you know, generally it's like an analytics person or, um, someone in hockey operations, but, um, yeah, it's been good. Um, you know, again, a lot of it starts with, uh, from an agent standpoint, you know, I'm looking for some information or they want to make sure that I'm giving them credit and then it kind of builds from there. Um, and on, and then the feedback though, that I'm getting from, from team personnel and agents is, you know, which is very rewarding is that they like to use the site, um, to just kind of manage their day-to-day, uh, hockey information needs. Um, you know, obviously they have a lot of the information through their, um, NHL and NHLPA, um, databases, but I'm hearing from them that, you know, the way that it's organized and presented and, and to navigate, they prefer to use the site, um, that you know super super rewarding and and feels good and um yeah it's been uh uh, you know really kind of fun part of building the site and is building those connections hearing some of the stories and getting to know some of the the great people in hockey uh
2: and it's uh it's cool you can do uh you know uh past history of 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 players uh things like that i'm uh for, for those watching i've got my Yarmer Yager mullet uh, t-shirt on so if you want to find out uh, you know past history of uh, some NHL contracts uh, I think that's uh, a kind of a, a cool uh, situation too um and the NHL teams they have all have capologists and, and you have an ask the capologist uh, section on there so uh, are you the capologist uh, you know what what tell us about what we can do do you just uh, submit questions like uh, you're you're uh, asking Santa for presents in uh, December
1: <laughs> exactly, yeah. So the, the uh, original idea for the Ask the Capologist was sort of a, a little secretive. Uh, we have a little logo of kind of a secret guy with a hat and trench coat, but uh, I think the, the secret is sort of out. So basically, yeah, people ask their questions and then either I um, answer them completely completely on my own or I do get support uh, from some NHL capologists or from some agents, such as some of the bigger agencies, they kind of have their own in-house capologists sort of, you know, kind of uh, trying to outsmart the team capologists. So (laughs) I have a good network of uh, of people that help and and support those questions and uh, the sort of best in. uh, almost worst part is when i get questions that are that are, are really good and stump me and then it's like well oh, i can't just answer this i got to go down do a bunch of research and uh write it all up so certainly it takes more time but that's kind of fun to to get some get, dig a little bit deeper or have to drill a little bit more into an aspect of the cba um but i think you know for hockey fans it's you know it's it, most hockey fans now part of being a fan is what should the team do and what are the the moves that they're making or who's giving good value um, on the team and so to to think in those terms you have to have some basic understanding of the salary cap in the CBA and it, it can be really intimidating I, I think for some fans um, and so the idea here was to have a bunch of information like uh, out there as a resource people can go and, and look it up and we have. Um, the uh, the past questions all listed there, and if you scroll down, you see some topics too where um, we wrote up um, kind of key information for you. But if you don't find what you're looking on there, having a sort of a safe uh, uh, place to submit a question and and get an answer, um, and and you know a lot of fans uh, take advantage of that and. Uh, you know, whether it's to settle an argument or they're curious uh, <laughs> uh, about the information. And then if it's something I'm seeing um, that several people are asking, yeah, then I, I post it up there so other people can see the answer too.
2: Is there, uh, uh, I don't know if that's the the most popular question, but most popular themed questions that you get from Ask the Capologist?
1: Um, it's, it really goes with like what's happening with current events. Sure. So, um, like last summer, there was a lot of, uh, you know, how could like the Canucks get out of Louis Erickson's contract? Mm-hmm. Could they like sort of deploy him to the moon or what could they do to, to, <laughs> to have to deal with them? Can they send them to Europe? All Questions like that. Um, there's, there's a lot of, uh, that time of year, there's lots of offer sheet questions, buyout questions. Um, but you know, they typically revolve mostly around like, underperforming players and how to get rid of them. Um, and then teams that are really tight on cap space, um, you know, what can they do there? Oh yeah, a lot of LTIR questions, uh, which is, uh, could be a whole podcast on its own, how LTIR works and um, and all that. But a lot of LTIR questions, especially, you know, when the kind of more popular teams are dealing with it, like the Leafs and uh, Canucks and, and teams like that.
2: Yeah, I, I'm, Don't have, we'll have to do another episode of LTIR because that can be really, uh, really, really confusing. Is this, you know, it sounds like you're, you know, kind of into salary cap and, and numbers kind of before this all started. And, and obviously you have a passion for it. Any, is this uh, anything you're, you can maybe spin into a job? Like would, would your dream job be doing something like this for an NHL team?
1: yeah i certainly that's an area before i had the site um i was kind of my friend's go-to capologist and yeah. uh, uh the office capologist um and yeah it's certainly it's something i'm super interested and passionate and i've been fortunate enough um since building the site and getting to meet some people i, I have been able to help some um, agents and teams a little bit on on some um projects or things that they're considering or looking at and i find that super exciting and rewarding nice. and uh yeah ultimately yeah maybe maybe what, regardless of the side, the team or the agent side, that might be something uh, of interest. But it's certainly something that I, I find interesting. Um, you know, my, my background of what I took in school is um, finance and accounting. So you know, I'm good with spreadsheets and, and modeling and, and forecasting. And it's uh, a lot more fun doing it for uh, team cap hits and cap space than you know, like profits and uh, and things like that.
2: Well, it's it's amazing to see. Um, the evolution, uh, in, in hockey management, uh, I guess we'll call it, um, you know, when I was growing up and, and I'm a child of the eighties, so, uh, so I was, there was no, um, well, there's no cap, but there was no, uh, data uh, analytics positions, uh, when the Oilers were winning cups and then you see how it changes. And I love Dave Tippett coming in this year saying, you know, I've, I've been doing uh, analytics for a long time on my own. So it slowly started to evolve and become a little bit more public. Uh, and, and and I love how we're seeing all the people that were involved in this getting hired by NHL teams. It seems like uh, the league, certain organizations are a little bit more open to, you don't have to have worn the jersey or worn skates in the league mentality.
1: I think it's just a, an evolution. Like you can look at other sports because in a lot of ways, hockey is uh, sort of behind some other sports, especially, you know, the I think the most key one is when they got a salary cap, like baseball and football. Um, and basketball had salary caps way before hockey. And if you look at the evolution there, I mean, that yeah, that's really led to uh, less former players only being GMs. And then within those front offices, having, um, you know, they, they kind of go from having nobody responsible for the salary cap management or analytics. So then they have like one guy does it to ultimately in those sports, like there's huge, uh, they call war rooms of, you yeah. know, people of all different backgrounds, statistical uh, lawyers, accountants, um, you know, uh, management consultants, like all kinds of skill sets that could possibly um, help. And I think when these businesses are, you know, the NHL is obviously a huge business. We hear about the billions of revenue and all this stuff. Um, you know, each playoff game is worth, you know, tens of millions of, of profit and revenue to, uh, you know, ha- hire a few more, a couple hundred thousand dollars of, of payroll makes a lot of sense of the impact that they can have. And again, I think it's, I think we'll just see more of that in hockey. So the first step was, um, you know, hiring one person um, to do kind of all those roles. Now you see more of a couple of analytics people and like a capologist person. I think the, the next wave would be like those other sports where there's several people in both those functions um, working with the GMs and having more GMs that aren't necessarily former players or weren't like former stars. Not not to say that there's, those people can't be good GMs but you would think that that might be the exception versus like um, kind of the requirement. Um, Because if you're fishing from a pool of former NHL players um, to to be in those roles, that's a pretty small pool versus sort of fishing in a pool of all the top, uh, smartest people in the world, seems like a much better um, way to find the best candidates. Um, And then, you know, you, you look at like a GM position, that really, to me, it looks like it's a management job, right? Like it's an executive management job. Um, yeah, you have to know, be able to evaluate talent and and all that kind of stuff. But I would think, uh, if you hire a person that's really good at running and managing an organization and identifying talent, you could hire underneath them, like great scouts, great analytics people, great capologist people. Um, and it should really be someone then in, in that role that is a is a great manager, a great leader. Um, And kind of uh, sets the strategic vision. So I think we'll see, we've seen a little bit of that evolution. But again, I think it's kind of easy to predict where things are going to go in hockey because you can just copy from other sports um, since they're sort of uh, a few years ahead of the curve.
2: Well, great uh, GMs, in my opinion, surround themselves with smart people. The ones that are not successful are the ones that uh, either hire yes men or, you know, try to be in control all the time. And uh, I love being the dumbest guy in the room all the time. And that's not hard to to, to, trust me. I, I can easily be the dumbest guy, but I just love being around smart people. And smart GMs rely on the people that they hire good or bad. I mean, listen. Uh, I think Bob Green is a is a really good talent evaluator. You know, was was he the determining factor in the Griffin Reinhardt trade? Did that one blow up? Not everybody is going to hit a home run all the time, but still, uh, I'll give the Oilers credit if if the stories are true that they relied on Bob Green for his evaluation. Did he get it wrong? Sure, but he relied on him, and I don't think Bob Green is a dumb hockey man. So the the smartest people, the smartest GMs out there, surround themselves with with good people. I think.
1: Yeah. And I, I completely agree with that. And like, if you have someone that's a great <laughs> talent evaluator, like, you know, Keith Gretzky has a decent draft record. So then why would you, you know, again, maybe Keith Gretzky would make a great GM one day, but I, it didn't make sense to me in the summer. Um, like, why would they take him out of that role to make him the general manager? Right. right? You're, you're not only, you know, whether you think he's the most qualified GM or not, that's a different debate, but you're now, regardless he's now not going to be able to be as involved in talent evaluation as he as he was if he was just focused on that right so you know I I think the best GM candidates are someone that have um, some skill in all those areas but recognize that there's people that would excel um, in those areas if they focus 100% 100% of their energy on it and then the GM can kind of manage everything from up top and kind of move the pieces around the board instead of um, also trying to, to be responsible for areas.
2: All right. Let's chat quickly about the draft and fantasy sections at the site. Uh, you know, people are, uh, always excited about the draft, uh, particularly in Edmonton over the years, because they had so many high picks. I'm I, you know, the amount of draft shows, Guy Flaming and I did, and the, you know, our show got so popular leading up to the draft because you know, Taylor Tyler and, and whatnot, but uh fantasy is also a huge impact. It's a big part of my life. One of the things I'm missing right now about live sports. So uh, tell us what we can expect on the draft and fantasy sections.
1: Yeah. So draft is, um, you know, listing the historical drafts and you can see who is, who is picked <clears throat> and you can see their stats, career stats. Um, you can then, you can also see some of the trades that were involved in those players. And then you can see, um, going forward, if you actually go to the draft pick section of a particular team, um, you can, then you can see sort of a recap of what happened to all their future picks. So you could see, um, you know, like where that third round pick got traded. You can see where they got a fourth round pick from and the details of that trade, um, and, and the kind of history of the pick. So I find that quite useful. Um, and then the fantasy tab that's, um, linking to our friends at daily face off that have some really good tools. Um, and as we talked about on our on the puckpedia team pages we're pulling in the the daily fantasy lineup um, starting lineup information and adding the puckpedia cap information um, on there and on the daily face-off uh, pages that we're linking to um, under the fantasy tab they are pulling in um, the seller cap information as well so that you can look at player pages on, on daily face-off or some fantasy tools and you can see what the um, what their cap situation is so I think, um, you know, as an avid fantasy, uh, uh, player, you want to, you want to get the information about who's playing, who's starting. And then I think it's useful to see, um, contract information because that often, rightly or wrongly, uh, drives decisions on where players will play in the lineup, um, and what the coaches or gyms might do based on what's happening with their, uh, wh- with their contract. And then on the side, we also have, uh, injury information, which is obviously uh, critical to making fantasy decisions. But I think ultimately, um, you want to let your imagination run run wild. I think our MyPuckPedia GM mode is a great place to go, and then you can kind of build out your whole uh, your whole world of of the NHL and, and make all the transactions that you want.
2: Yeah, I I can't wait to dive into that a little bit more. And you know, um, it will it will be picking up steam as the the game continues, whenever that is. Uh, you know, you see your contact with, uh, you know, a lot of different people involved in the game. Uh, what sort of things are you hearing on their opinion? And, and what do you think happens? Will we see a Stanley Cup handed out for this season?
1: I think that there's so much money involved um, that they'll, it, it's critical for them to have a Stanley Cup awarded. The part of how that happens is, super unknown. Like, uh, I kind of got some fatigue from seeing all the different proposals of how the end of the season might work because it doesn't really matter until we know when it can start. But I wouldn't be surprised if there's, uh, you know, some version of uh, a little bit of a regular season and then a, a playoff tournament. Um, just, you know, maybe that ends up next fall, um, or later or even later next, uh, later in like towards the end of this calendar year. But I think there will be some um, um, version of finishing the season. I think um, the most interesting part from, you know, I guess me having the puck site and figuring out what's going to happen with the calculations and the salary cap and everything is right. is that part is how do they handle the, the lost revenues? What does that look like um, going forward? And my theory is that um, we know that the TV contract is up in two years, right? So everyone was expecting um, three years from now. There would be a, a big bump in the salary cap because that would be the new US TV contract, um, and we even saw some contracts that were sort of ending right before that. Um, so my theory, and just a just a theory, is that they do some kind of uh, averaging where they kind of look at the salary cap over a three year period. So we know we have it's going to be much lower this next year from all the lost revenue. Um, maybe that second year gets back to sort of what they were expecting, and then that third year. Um, we'll take a big jump. So instead of having it, you know, go down a whole bunch in year one, come up in year two, and then a big jump up in year three, they look at it sort of as a whole and, and average it out. And maybe they even take longer than three years if they're able to sign a CBA extension for for longer. Maybe they know, you know, they take the first couple of years of the higher TV contract. And kind of bring that in and, and, and bring, sort of artificially bring up the salary cap for next year and then uh, bring it down a little bit from what it might normally jump to on its own um, when we have that new contract. So that would be my guess. I really would be shocked if we see the salary cap drop next year. It would just kind of wreak havoc on teams and um, and contracts. And I just don't think the players and the agents would go for that. I actually uh, tweeted this out a, a little while ago, but um, I think last I looked, there was about a Uh, 35% of the uh, players that have played 40 plus games this year still don't have contracts for next year. So if you do something that uh, makes it so it's like almost everyone has to sign for way under their value um, or like close to the minimum, just to fit everyone under their salary cap. I just, I don't think that that's going to get votes or support. So I think they're going to have to figure out how to keep the salary cap higher. and And I think that would be, some some version of bringing in those future uh, increased revenues from the new TV contract into the next couple of years.
2: Awesome stuff. Hart Levine is the creator of puckpedia.com, one-stop shopping uh, for your NHL stats, needs, contracts, uh, agents. Uh, he has it all. Hart, this has been a lot of fun. I really enjoyed uh, getting to know the site a little bit more, and I, uh, I can't wait to... To dive into it. Best of luck um, with this and whatever uh, maybe comes out of it. Uh, Remember the little guys if you end up on an NHL team.
1: (laughs) I really appreciate it and uh, growing up in Edmonton, I was a big fan of the Pipeline show and followed you and it's great to chat with you. Thanks a lot.
0: Then the snow came down I smiled, you frowned I said let's build a snowman you said you're on your own, man I said let's bust out the skates Sticks, to skis, boots, toboggans You told me all downtrodden I'll be in my room All gloom and doom Just because the snow came this is the Sports and More podcast with Dean Millard. The day before the snow came,
2: as the uh, great sounds of Sweet But Jesus from their debut album *Policeman's Creek*. That is Winter Suckface, and uh, I, I really appreciate that uh, Kevin Dabs and Christian Gutis. Allow me to uh, use uh, their Creative Genius, uh, their debut album, Policeman's Creek. You can get it on Apple Music, and uh, it's awesome. There's a lot of great songs, and it's the official band of sports and more. And, of course, big thanks to uh, Hart Levine of pockpedia.com for kind of taking us inside the website and uh, the amazing things that you can do on that website if you're a hockey fan. Uh, it's It's a bit of a game changer as far as, one-stop shopping is concerned. One of the things you can do on that website is you can have the buyout calculator, the buyout calculations. Uh, So our ultimate franchise fantasy sports poll question is, would you buy out the final three years of Jonathan Quick's 10-year contract for the LA Kings? Now, this is where I was a little bit confused as you heard. The cost is $1 million dollars, per season for six years so it doubles the length of the remaining length of the contract that's what the kings would pay so it's a no-brainer uh if you're looking at it from uh that point of view and i, th- I think a lot of people say oh okay six years uh one million per year that's doable i guess um but when you actually look at the numbers and uh, hart was kind enough to point it out politely to me, um, it's a little bit different. So anyway, 57% on Twitter have said, yes, they would buy out Jonathan Quick's contract. Uh, So you can vote at Duck Millard. But here's the thing. The cap hit is what most people will be looking at, as was explained to me. So it's actually three years into six years, and the actual dollars is 1 million. But the cap hit is 3.8 or 3.3, 3.8, 4.3 then 111. So 3.3 million, 3.8 million, 4.3 million. Then you get relief for the final 3 years. So on that regard, no, I would not be doing it. I would just write out the final 3 years of Jonathan Quick. Maybe he retires before that. Who knows? Maybe he has a, a rebound. Um uh, you know, and, and listen, I'm not saying Jonathan Quick is finished by any means, but uh he is uh, closer to uh, well he has, he's definitely on the back nine and he's uh, you know closer to the end of his career for sure than the beginning of, of his uh, career. 34 years old next year for Jonathan Quick. So instead of spending six years and multiple millions of dollars, I would just be uh, you know riding it out and groom the next guy as the, uh, the LA Kings are indeed doing. So uh, anyway, you can have your say, now that I've explained it, at Duck Millard, yes or no, would you buy out Jonathan Quick's remaining three years of his contract? And you can find out all that cool information at uh, puckpedia.com. Um, we'll have to get Hart back at some point once again uh, to chat a little bit about uh, some more stuff as he keeps evolving. Uh, with Puckpedia, and you know, I love the agent uh, aspect. Uh, it's just, it's just such a cool concept, as well. So that's going to wrap things up for us on episode forty-three. Big thanks to Hart Levine of Puckpedia.com. Uh, I hope you enjoyed the show. If you did, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and leave us a review. And if you would like to be a part of the show as an advertiser, or if you have some good ideas, shoot me an email. Sports and more Pod at gmail.com that's sports and more pod at gmail.com and hit us up at sports and all right uh, thank you very much for joining me on this program today i leave you with the sounds of falling fast from sweet bejesus and the debut album policeman's creek thanks so much for listening everybody playtime is over